particularly excited to introduce this episode because, listeners, it's Holy Media's one-year anniversary. A year ago, Holy Media started out with two brief overview episodes about movies and comics. And so to commemorate the show's beginning and to tie into the culmination of the annual Comic-Con in San Diego, we're revisiting the idea of religion and comic books. Joining me by telephone, so forgive the rough audio, to speak about religion and comics is A. David Lewis. David has his PhD in religion and literature from Boston University, and he's a founding member of Sacred and Sequential, an online organization highlighting comic book scholarship. He is also the author of American Comics, Literary Theory and Religion, and one of the editors of Graven Images, Religion in Comic Books and Graphic Novels. So welcome to the show. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you for having me. Um, so just to kind of get us started, uh, you know, when people think about comics or, you know, comic books, they're usually thinking of superheroes or collector's items or cosplay, and religion doesn't really come to mind. So for the purposes of our conversation, can you kind of just s- explain what religion does actually have to do with comic books? Uh, absolutely. I-, I think there are really four ways that religion and comic books interact. And uh, the first one's probably the most familiar one to uh, any comic book readers, and that is using religion just in the content of a story, whether that's a real-world religion or a fantastical, fictional uh, religion. Vice versa, there have been religious groups that have used comics uh, either to share their message or to uh, get out information all along the way. Uh, that can similarly be flipped to uh, religion criticizing comics mm-hmm. and to comics criticizing religion. One further way, this will be the third way I'd suggest that they interact, is that you mentioned cosplay, right? Yes. Well, these comic book conventions and the fandoms and uh, the elaborate rituals people undertake, even if it's just a weekly shop at their local comic book store, have semi-religious properties to them. They resemble religions, even if they are not themselves religions Mm -hmm. in practice but 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 the fourth way and this is the most limited one but this is the one i'm keeping my eye on keeping track of most prominently is comics becoming religion and this is rarer rare rest uh i would definitely say but as we start to give characters and properties from this medium greater and greater meeting, greater and greater reverence, uh, I think we can start to talk at least theoretically about comics serving a religious purpose, that the reading and enjoyment of comics being, on some level, a transcendent experience. Do you, I mean, when you say you're keeping your eye on this, do you have a, a specific example in mind? Because I think you're right that the comics as religion is fascinating and I think it I'm glad that you're you're paying attention to it yeah the the example I have in mind actually comes more out of science fiction okay uh you could point to Scientology uh with L. Ron Hubbard's followers or you could even look to uh, people identifying in real life as Jedi 
or followers of Frodo from Lord of the Rings. But I will say one thing I'm exploring is whether or not uh, there is this potential for comics at some point offering up what will later, at some distant point, be regarded as a sacred text. Interesting. And I, I hadn't heard of the followers of Frodo before. That's a new one for me. <laughs> oh, it does. It, it was. It got the most popularity, the most press when the Lord of the Rings movies were first uh, coming out, debuting in theaters. But yeah, there's been some discussion of that. Mm-hmm. But I'm, I'm also curious, you know, because a lot of this, what you're describing, at least with the case of the Jedi and the followers of Frodo, are kind of emerging out of fan culture. And how much of mm-hmm, that is the, you know, is the foundation of the possibility of comics as religion stemming from basically the entire political economy around comics? Uh, I would say not exclusively, but largely. Okay. Right? You have to remember the pre-internet, these fan zines, these fan communities uh, did start to have a degree of mortal uh, reverence for certain artists, and certain writers, and even, in another sense, certain counterculture figures, when we think of uh, R. Crumb, of Harvey Picar, and then Art Spiegelman, who came into mainstream attention when Maus, uh, his collected works on his father's experience of the Holocaust and him being the son of a Holocaust survivor, was given a special Pulitzer. Yeah. Uh, so... I would say that these fan communities were an origin point for this culture, whether it's the comic shop culture, the online culture, the convention culture, uh, which is actually, I think, right now at its zenith, uh, right now uh, at its most visible and powerful. they played integral parts in forming this um, potency around uh, comics and around uh, these mythos. Mm-hmm. Interesting. So everyone's been paying attention to Miss Marvel, and then therefore religion has been kind of discussed with regards to comics. But this isn't a new trend. So what are some of the changes you've seen um, in the ways that religions are depicted or engaged in comics over time? Well, I definitely say that uh, religions are being played less straight uh, than ever before. And what I mean by that is if you saw a reference to religion in comic books, in, let's say, mainstream comic books, in, let's say, the 1970s and early, early 1980s, they would either be largely evangelical, that is, the purpose of mentioning religion is to sell that particular religion to the reader, yeah. or they'd largely be straw men, right? They'd be caricatures okay. of the religion, used in the most general and most sweeping sense. I think the change we've seen most, even though those two um, approaches still exist, obviously, is that there's been a recognition that some contingent of comic book readers, some portion of the audience, can deal with nuance, can deal with complexity uh, that 
works like Alan Moore's Promethea can get into some of the theological details regarding uh, Kabbalistic lore or regarding uh, occult magic. So I think that's been a significant change. And some of the cooler uh, title, mainstream titles over the last decade or so have really teased at these threads. Grant Morrison's Invisibles comes to mind, also his work on Batman, where he can bring in some very esoteric religious idea that goes way beyond the basic catechism, goes way beyond the basic five pillars of Islam, goes into a particularly deep level, and then laces it into an adventurous storyline. So it's not it's not just a more a matter of comics kind of reflecting this need to have a better religious literacy or religious exposure. It's you think it's kind of exploring and in a way playing with religion. Mm-hmm. Okay. I, I think it's more the latter. Okay. Um, few of these cases, and I'm not going to say none, but few of these cases are set on educating reader in a religion because at that point there is the uh the double-edged sword of advocating that religion and Mm -hmm. then you get into the more evangelical and proselytizing works which do exist as i said um but i think there has been more appeal for um taking unknown elements of religion, overlooked elements of religion, more fantastic elements of religion, and uh, weaving them into stories that does have an appeal for readers who think maybe they've seen it all. I mean, I, I liken it in many ways to how we've seen an explosion of quantum physics appearing in uh, comic books, usually fictional uh, comic book adventures. This doesn't mean the population at large is interested in quantum physics, but they love the idea that, okay, we're used to uh, superheroes getting their powers through mutations, or we're used to getting it through atomic radiation. Here's a whole new avenue of fantastic thought based on something in the real world of which they know but don't have expertise. kind of been talking about is um, the implicit ways in which religion has appeared in uh, comic books. And I'm wondering if the ways, if if this is actually noticeable to most people, and it's not just, you know, um, people like us who, who have kind of this religious literacy, and more importantly, the visual literacy for religious narratives and religious stories that we're just sitting there reading these and we can see all the implicit religion but is it do you think the broader audiences can see this too i think some broader audiences can and that's not my commenting on their level of literacy i think it has more to do with which genre Mm -hmm. you're attracted to okay uh if you're a reader of autobiographical 
comics of things like Fun Home, Persepolis, Mouse, and so forth, then, yeah, the religious matter is overt, and um, there's some appeal to that, that these are real-life people, and adding further dimensionality to them makes the story uh, richer. If we're talking about uh, manga, perhaps, I would also say yes, that there's a definite draw towards uh, mythic and divine storylines that have translated originally into, for Japanese audiences and then uh, sort of trickled down to American or English uh, manga readers. When it comes to superheroes, I think it's there and it's desired implicitly rather than explicitly. And I'll, I'll explain what I mean. I think if you were to ask readers of Marvel comics and DC comics, uh, even Image comics, over the last several years, what they've noticed and been attracted to, they would definitely comment on these uh, universal reboots, mm -hmm. how they've been redoing the entire storyline, restarting the universe, and in doing so have started just to lightly touch upon um, ontological issues okay. and started to touch upon cosmogenical issues about questions that are very, very, very close to either philosophy of religion or to theology. I don't think that the readers, the audience members are saying, oh, good, I can't wait to see how they, how they incorporate Calvinism into this <laughs> issue. I can't wait to see how, how Captain America uh, takes on, takes on uh, Max Weber. I don't know. Um, but I do think that the issues that religion deals with overtly are being dealt with um, just below the surface or right at the surface of these uh, adventures. I think it's sort of betraying an anxiety slash interest about the same material. Mm -hmm. So do you, do you kind of see in a way that these reboots and in, in what you're just mentioned is kind of a way of comic books participating and engaging in this uh, sacred secular divide of bringing religion kind of back into a secular space, for instance? That's possibly it. I see it, I see it in two ways. Um, first of all, the tools that are being used to tell these stories um, smack of religious history. I mean, you can say retcon or reboot. That's the terminology we'll use in superhero comics. But you could also say midrash. Okay. Uh, or you could say hadith. Mm -hmm. So the way in which um, um, the companies and the creators are dealing with these stories, I see as very similar to when you have a massive collection of mythic stories and time has passed and generations are passing, how do you corral all of them? Uh, but to, I think the point you were uh, mentioning, I do think that particularly superhero comics, uh, but also some uh, sci-fi and fantasy comics that don't have any spandex in them, are negotiating uh, the secular sacred divide because they focus on the fantastic. Okay. And even if it's the fantastic or 
maybe another term would be the transcendent. Mm -hmm. um, even if they uh, focus on that through science or through magic or, or through space travel, um, I do think that's what brings the religious issues into a secular comfort zone. How, how so? What do, you, what do you mean by like a secular comfort zone? Well, let me let me try to pull on uh, maybe a useful example. Uh, I just used the the reboots as an example, but maybe a better one would be Thor. Now, Thor has become very popular of late because the Asgardian god of uh, of the storms of lightning and thunder uh, is now a movie property, right? Mm -hmm. And by Chris Helmsworth. Yeah. But in the comics you do have this issue of what makes a god a god. What do we mean by divinity here? Uh, what separates the mortal from the immortal? Is it just long life? Is it some degree of power, of wisdom? And I think it's in a space of following Thor's adventures with, and I don't mean to say that so tongue-in-cheek, it's, it's a fun, great book. But what hooks the secular audience is the adventure. Okay. And what may be um, allowing them to interface with uh, sacred matters, with theological matters, with spiritual matters, um, is what this lens points them to. A, a recent storyline in Thor has actually the character of Thor uh, deemed unworthy. He can no longer hold his hammer Mjolnir um, because he has done something unworthy. Now, I'm going to give a spoiler alert here to your audience. Mm -hmm. Maybe they should fast forward 30 seconds if they don't want to learn what the big reveal of what made him un uh, unworthy, unworthy was. Right. What made him unworthy was his secretly held belief that the Asgardian gods themselves are unworthy. So you entered into this great discussion of what if a god considers gods ungodly. Yeah. Now, that gets shaped around this big suspense story of, oh, will he get the hammer back? How will he maintain his power? What if his enemies come after him? But that allows the conversation to enter into uh, this hybrid space, this amalgamated space which I just want to add, comics as a medium, now we're going beyond genre, as a medium, I think, and would have, I've been long been drawn to them because I think they're the perfect space for this type of conversation. Uh -huh. They're a hybrid medium themselves, being both word and image. So the idea that they're also uh, allowing for some secular sacred bridge entirely makes sense. It's baked into the DNA of sequential art. Well, and I, and I think that's a, a good point to bring up, especially since this, this sacred secular binary is, I mean, it's, it's false to some extent, too. And so yeah. by, by intervening in this middle space and using a medium that's perfectly built for it, I think it does exactly what you, you mentioned earlier of bringing people who are so, you know, standoffish to what we classify as the sacred into their into their secular safe space and help them recognize that 
there is no real, there isn't a real division. It's, it's a division we, we create to make ourselves feel comfortable. You know, because you were using Thor as an example. And I know previously you had mentioned um, another comic book character, one that I'm actually not familiar with, um, that you thought to be an interesting example within this kind of um, religion, dealing with religion in a secular way. Um, I think it's, uh, correct me if I'm mispronouncing, Kismet? Kismet, yeah. yeah. Well, Kismet is extremely dear to me because I'm, uh, when I'm not doing scholarship on comics, I'm writing his new adventures. So uh, the reason Kismet appeals to me greatly is he was an oddity. I didn't create Kismet. Kismet uh, is the first uh, recognized Muslim superhero in U.S. comic books. Dates back to 1944. And the great and weird thing about him was not only what, did he only show up in four issues and then disappeared for 70 years. I mean, we got four issues with Kismet in it, and then the character fell into the public domain. Huh. But he was treated, he was depicted with a strange, uh, one would even say anachronistic reverence. This wasn't an entirely cartoony depiction of a Muslim uh, during World War II, but actually a kind of noble depiction. He did have the outrageous outfit, uh, bare-chested and wearing a fez and a cape, Um, and he did sometimes have lines like, by Muhammad's bones. But at the same time, they, the creators recognized the possibility and the reality of heroism hmm. for an Islamic character, for a Muslim character. So that greatly attracted me when I was doing uh, research on uh, the earliest depiction of Islam in the superhero genre. It goes back further if you go outside the genre, but while I was focusing on superheroes mm-hmm. here, I found him, and I was so attracted uh, to this character that I just started to think up new adventures for him, where he's gone for 70 years, how he would operate uh, in the modern context and in a secular space. If you were to bring an Algerian Muslim fighting Nazis in France from World War II to modern-day Boston just after the Marathon bombing, how would he even operate? Mm -hmm. How would he relate to this uh, new era? So you have the Captain America twist, right? Yeah. Well, he's been in ice or he's been offline or whatever. (laughs) He's a man out of time. But I I was really intrigued and... um, found myself just generating really enjoyable stories about how he could function in um, in 2016-2017. We've spent a lot of time talking about superheroes and the superheroes who are gods, such as Thor. But, um... There, you've in the in your answer to the first question I asked you, you you listed a couple different ways in which comics engage with religion, um, and how different genres of comics engage with religion. Is there a specific one that you know you that stands out to you, or that you kind of enjoy reading the most or studying? Well, um, I keep close, close 
track and get a lot of pleasure out of reading Ms. Marvel. Mm-hmm. Uh, that isn't to that isn't to privilege uh, Muslim characters here uh, at all. I think it's just the um, the scarcity of them makes reading them that much more enjoyable. Um, in terms of other superhero characters with religious aspects that really that really do speak to me, um, I would have to go back actually to uh, Adam Warlock. This is a '70s superhero, right? But he was operating on this cosmic level and uh, opposing the Universal Church of Truth, which was itself uh, this totalitarian, fascistic. Uh, it was basically fascism plus religion. Um, outside of superheroes, I do have to say, I know you asked specifically about superheroes, but one comic that I am following uh, so closely and adoring for its uh, take on religion is the image comic East of West, which basically imagines a very different world if the Civil War never exactly ended. But instead, you're having uh, different sub-nations in North America, in the United States, that have their own faith systems and moral structures and prophecies about how the world is going to end. And East of West is all about how this world is ending, and it is fulfilling prophecy. Uh, So it doesn't say it's overtly religious in any way, because the religions it's talking about don't exist in our real life. Mm-hmm. Uh, but when you have an end of the world, an apocalyptic scenario following some prophecy, then you can't uh, avoid the religious material. So uh, that's been very appealing and, and um, squarely uh, in my sights. One last series that recently ended, but I was following, which was much more real world, it was fictional, but was set in our reality, was uh, Sheriff of Babylon by Tom King, and addressing how U.S. soldiers and um, uh, Iraqis engaged with each other after the fall of Saddam Hussein. Uh, And that was a fantastic, and uh, I think drawn very much from his own real life experience, was a fantastic series. Well, actually, I'm so I'm glad you brought up non-superhero because I guess I didn't articulate it very well, but I was asking about outside the superhero oh. genre. So I'm glad you brought up East of West on um, the Sheriff of Babylon. But I was thinking about, um, you know, any because you had mentioned to the beginning of this conversation some of the autobiographical comics, um, and I'm also, oh, sure. you know, and I also know there's there are non-superhero comics that are, you know, dealing with religion, um, such as Preacher, or uh, I know you and I previously have spoken about Punk Rock Jesus, which I haven't read yet, but it is on my to-read list. Oh, it's worth reading. <laughs> uh, another one that's uh, worth reading, and I think it's its uniqueness is what stands out to me, there's um, a pretty famous uh, comic book artist and writer named Mike Alred. And uh, he's best known for doing quirky superhero characters for Marvel and for DC. Um, He did X-Force for a while and then X-Statics for some time, I believe. Uh, He's doing Silver Surfer right now. But, But 
he's also a, a devout Mormon. Hmm. And you might not pick that up from his work, which is fine. You know, not all work has to be infused with religious themes or matter, although you might look <laughs> at Silver Surfer differently. But he did his own uh, golden plates. He did his own vi- comic book visualization of the sacred text of the Mormon religion. I have not seen this anywhere else. No. So to, um, I can't speak, and I'm not going to make a judgment on whether or not the uh, Church of Latter-day Saints storyline is compelling or not. That's not my, my place to say. But just to see it visualized from a comics professional rather than the other way around, rather than someone, a religiously devout person trying their hand at comics, mm-hmm. you know, uh, attempting it for the first time and maybe for the only time, uh, that's really been something extraordinary, and it's very hard to find. Uh, it's it's only been published in rather limited quantities, but a, an eBay search may turn it up. Interesting. Yeah, I'll have to I'll have to go scour the internet say scat man like the brother Corrupa uh-huh. when it's on it's cold so bring the core in the cup we can take it to the basement live with Taylor go get the Riddler and watch me play that like a Fiddler before we end do you want to explain how those interested in religion and comics can be more engaged with the work that you do and the work that others do I, I would only say you, you mentioned it at the outset which is terrific uh, we have a very loose knit relaxed group of comic book scholars and co- and religion scholars, and you can uh, use the word scholars as flexibly as you want, uh, called Sacred and Sequential. Uh, if people are interested in learning more about it, uh, they can go to sacredandsequential.org. Uh, if they're interested in participating, being part of future conferences, we some, we're going to be uh, talking this fall at the American Academy of Religion about the book I co-edited, uh, but it's a full panel, Responses to Muslim Superheroes. Uh, that's the only thing I'd point out, and, and, and I just suggest people keep their eyes open because this is happening all around us and is going to, I think, surprise us soon, you know, within a generation, um, how how prevalent it's really become, mm-hmm. how um, uh, ubiquitous even. Uh, the question at some point will be, what isn't religion in comics rather than what is? Well, I hope that, I hope to see that. I'm excited for it. And thank you so much for um, speaking with me. My pleasure. You're a nerd. A nerd. You're a nerd. This episode's religion nerd moment actually comes from my first Comic-Con experience. So, through chance, I uh, was invited to participate in a fan panel um, about the TV show The Expanse, which is on the Sci-Fi channel, if you didn't know. Um, And in this fan panel, we all talked about different aspects of the show, and of course, 
being the religion nerd that I am, I talked about religion. And actually, just recently, um, religion news service reporter Kimberly Winston uh, published a story about Mormons in the TV show The Expanse. Um, but I, I didn't talk so much about the Mormons in space angle um, during the panel as much as I talked about kind of the broader religious themes um, around salvation and redemption and things like that. Uh, I highly recommend you uh, take a look at the TV show. Um, season three will be coming out soon. Um, and perhaps I will uh, be working on a blog post about religion in the, t in the Expanse. Um, I have an idea for a larger scholastic project relating to religion and pop culture that I'll deal with that show, so maybe I'll, I'll put out some brainstorming ideas on the blog. Thanks for listening to this episode of Holy Media. Don't forget to check out the show notes for this episode at holymedia.com. There you'll be able to find links to some of the comics that David and I talk about and to his websites, particularly Sacred and Sequential. You can also start a conversation about this episode's topic on Twitter using the show handle at Holy Media or by commenting on the episode post on the website. If you enjoy listening to Holy Media while walking your dog or on the bus, I really ask that you rate and comment about the show on iTunes and Stitcher. For you avid podcast listeners, you know that these ratings help others discover the show, and you know you want to share the awesomeness that is Holy Media with everyone else. And if you leave a review, I'll make sure to give you a shout out on the next episode. Music in this episode is by Kevin McLeod, The Ramones, Moe's, Snoop Dogg, and The Traits. You can find links to their work in the show notes. And as always, you can find the show on SoundCloud, the iTunes podcast app, Stitcher, and Google Play. Hey listeners, I'm back for a quick second. So in our conversation that was edited out, unfortunately, David let me know that he does some work with a nonprofit related to comics, and I wanted to give him a chance to explain these efforts and the organization in his own words. So take a listen. Um, I'm also using comics, I have to admit, for not, um, I wouldn't call it religious purposes, but it does affect a particular religious community. Uh, and this is the work that I'm doing with the nonprofit organization CIRIC, okay. which stands for uh, Comics for Youth Refugees Incorporated Collective. Uh, what we're doing is actually taking Syrian folklore, which does have religious overtones to it, uh, creating comic books out of that and printing and releasing it free of cost to uh, Syrian refugee children. And they are not 100% monolithically uh, Muslim in any way, uh, but it has affected uh, Muslim and, and families practicing Islam predominantly, that is the diaspora 
uh, out of Syria. So I think it's it's fair to say that I'm uh, just as much as I'm looking at uh, narratives about religion and negotiating the religious secular space. I'm also uh, working with an audience that has um, definite religious experience and overtones. I'm stuck in the middle, right in the middle, dead in the middle anyway. And this is Holy Media.